and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Ground Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Paige. And I'm Niharika. For today's episode, we are very lucky to be joined by Talia from Nest Legal. Nest's main goal is to make life easier for busy families. This means that they have designed their services around what they would want as busy mums. Don't you love their message of women helping women, Paige? We sure do. And in fact, Nest Legal really does embody this women helping women mantra through their pay it forward initiative. Under this initiative, every time a past client refers a new client, Nest pays it forward, investing in another woman's business via Kiva, providing safe, affordable access to capital to help women around the world create better lives for themselves and their families. Now we could talk about how much we like this kind of thinking all episode, but we'll hand it over to Talia to introduce herself. Yeah, so my name is Talia Fagenbaum and I'm the Senior Family Lawyer at Nest Legal and I'm so honoured to be here with you today. We're so, so excited. We'll get started with the questions that we always do. The first one's always, what's your favourite coffee order? I might upset the apple card and say I'm actually a tea drinker. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind coffee, but there's nothing uh, better than a home-brewed pot of chai. So, yeah, a choice. No, it's so good. I've only just started getting into chai lattes. I don't drink coffee, but I like a dirty chai if I'm trying to keep myself awake. And then I went home one day and was like, mum, can you make me a dirty chai? And she, my parents are Indian. And then she was just like, excuse me, that's not a real drink because just mixing coffee and tea to her just sounds horrendous. So she was very disappointed in me, but I've just had to learn how to make it myself. <laughs> yeah, when you get the, the right balance of cloves and cinnamon and mm. chuck a bit of chili and it's such a good kickstart to the day. Wait, chili? Just a little bit, a little bit of chili. Oh. Give you that spice hit, it's yum. Oh, I have to give that a go. That's so cool. Our next question is, do you have a song or it can be an album or an artist that kind of gets you going in the morning, that helps you get into a good mood and gets your day started off right? Yeah, I think I'm really into the Rubens at the moment. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, just really soulful. Their, their words are really meaningful. Living Life, I think, is one of my favourite all-time songs. It just frames the day really well and sets the scene for what's important and what's coming What's coming around the corner is okay, we'll be able to deal with it. I love songs with a story. I feel like it's quite sad now that, look, I love a good TikTok song, but I feel like artists maybe kind of just make songs now to become TikTok hits. So they're not like, you know, there's short choruses that don't really, they're very repetitive. They don't really have like a a story throughout the song anymore. So I can definitely back the Rubens. It's a great choice. Songwriting is such an art. It's it's almost becoming a lost art form, you know, where you have on-demand songs that are just played to, you know, get those quick hits and the quick tunes. Yeah. Now this is one of my favourite questions. Could you tell us about a random stranger or even someone that you like you're close to that's had the biggest impact on your life and why and how they impacted your life? Yes, took me back to one time where I was um, I was picking up my kids from school, and there's very limited parking where where <laughs> you know in the in the zone around the school, and yeah, running late, and the only place I could park was in front of somebody's driveway, and I, right. I hate doing it because I know how frustrating it is, and I did it this time, and came back, and there was a note on my car, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got a you know a parking ticket or an infringement or something. Yeah, it wasn't though. It was the note from the owner whose house I parked in front, and it was. 
was the most beautifully written note, not angry or accusing or anything like that, but just something to, you know, acknowledge that we all live busy lives. And I understand that you probably didn't do this knowing that you were going to put me my day out, but yeah, it, it, it impacted on my day. And I just wanted to let you know, so that next time you do it, you just might think before you do it. <laughs> That's so kind. Actually, honestly, she got the message across. I've never done it again in my life, but it was done yeah. in a courteous and thoughtful way mm. rather than like, you know, some of the awful messages that people send around these days. So yeah. It just had a big impact that, yes, however busy my life is, it should never be busy enough that I put somebody else out or inconvenience. And I think there's another message in that of also just being kind. You never know what's going on in someone's life and you can always jump quickly to assume the worst of someone. But sometimes things are done innocently and just taking a moment to, if you do need to give out that message, just do it in a kind, thoughtful way. Because I mean, that person to have done it in that way would have had to take a minute, reflected and been like, okay, there's things outside of my control here. How can I respond to it positively? So I think that's a great message as well. And when the message is delivered in such a positive way, it's received in a positive way as well. And they'd be much more readily able to absorb it and internalize it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that goes for every conversation, right? Anytime you get feedback, anything like that, it's just if it's delivered in a positive way, it'll be taken on in a positive way. So that's a lovely, lovely story. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I think we can definitely say we know you a little bit better now, but we'd love to know more about the work that you do and Nest Legal and the team as a whole. Could you tell us a little bit more about Nest Legal, how it's kind of come to be what it is and your role within the firm? Nest Legal is really all about taking complicated legal processes and finding creative ways of making those processes easier for clients. So it's it's really focused on the client and user experience, which is not the you know traditional approach to legal services. Traditionally, law has always been practiced as this is how we do it and clients come to us. We sit in our brick and mortar offices and we preach to clients <laughs> about how the law affects their lives. But times have changed. People are busy. Our, our clients are often parents and are running around after kids and they, they don't have the time in their lives to break down those complicated processes. So Nest does it for them. We use technology. We use, you know, our approach is friendly and we've been called the unlawyery lawyers. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> it was one of the biggest compliments we've received because we're all about being approachable and yeah. making what can often be, you know, daunting life decisions so easily to, to understand and break down and, and to get through. And I mean, I might take this moment to just do a quick shout out. And if you haven't, to our listeners, if you haven't checked out their Instagram, please do. It is one of the coolest law firm Instagrams I've ever seen. It's all like color themed and it's so cool and fresh. Definitely have a look if you haven't already, because I know that that's something that they're probably really proud of. Thank you. Yeah, it is all about making legal services meaningful and approachable and, and well, making it meaningful to people's lives and making lawyers approachable and engaging because behind the scenes we are real people too a lot of us are busy ones as well and uh you know we we want to be able to connect with our clients on that basic level 
yeah, for sure. And making the law more accessible, I think, through one of those means is is really important. I guess I'd love to know a little bit more about you and why you chose to do maybe law in general and then family law specifically. Was there a kind of like a career defining moment that you were like, yes, family law is for me? Or was it something you kind of accidentally fell into? How did it all work out? Yeah, look, I've always been drawn to to family law because it's so people-centric mm. and it is not so much black and white, but more about reading between the lines and hearing what people are saying, empathising with them and, and really trying to make the best out of a, what can often be a really difficult situation. People don't go into marriages or relationships thinking that they're, that they're going to end. Yeah. Um, and then it can be, you know, it, it's often a life-changing transition time for them. So I like being able to be part of that and making the experience as positive as it can be within the context yeah. of the relationship breakdown, but helping them to see that this is the first step of their new life as opposed mm-hmm. to just being the end of an old life. Yeah. So it's got that kind of combination of human skills with analytical legal aspects that I, I really find just fit my personality really well, which is why I was so drawn to it to begin with. And we were talking about this a little bit before, but could you tell us more about maybe the specific work that you do in family law and maybe how that interacts with some of the other types of law that, you know, exist in the world? Yeah, sure. It's it's really interesting because family law is really diversified. So mm-hmm. you can be dealing with, you know, your, your very difficult and complex parenting matters where you may have children with special needs that fall through the system and, it, and the parents are just unable to cope with how to manage their post-separation parenting regime and all communication has broken down that and that's a really challenging event but on the other side you may have families that have accumulated a lot of wealth over their relationship together you know sometimes a 25-year marriage you may have multiple properties and companies family businesses superannuation self-managed super funds in which case you're using you know relying on a commercial basis or commercial understanding of how those structures work to help disentangle them. As we were talking about before, sometimes, you know, dividing up the property side of things can actually be more emotive than when you are dealing with the parenting arrangements, just because people have been so hard through, you know, many, many years to build up their wealth portfolio. And Mm -hmm. the, the idea of sharing that is very challenging. I can imagine. I mean, I also just, it was really eye-opening to me when we chatted about it because I've kind of always thought of family law as a really separated and maybe siloed area of law that kind of just operates in its own sphere. But to hear that it really does require skills of, you know, like you said, you use technology for a lot of the things that you do. So understanding that, understanding commercial law aspects, deal with property and all of that kind of stuff is really interesting. And hopefully it'll show that, you know, family law isn't as segregated or siloed as I previously thought. Kind of building on that, I'd love to know maybe what your day-to-day looks like. What are some highlights? What are some challenges that you have? Also, does that involve, does your day-to-day involve some pro bono work and how that kind of fits into your day? I actually have a background uh, in doing pro bono and working at um, community legal services as well. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's definitely a big middle gap of families that fall into this situation where they aren't eligible for the government-funded legal services, so like Victoria Legal Aid, but they're certainly not at the level where they can pay 
legal fees at the mm. rates of what many other firms are charging. So what we've developed at Ness is what we call unbundled legal services or limited scope retainers, which are quite big in you know overseas jurisdictions like the US. They're gaining a bit more traction here, but they really are about tailoring your service and what the options you can give to clients and their circumstances. So a client may come in and say, look, I simply just can't afford your Rolls-Royce service. And <laughs> yeah. rather than turning them away, we say, okay, well, let's see what your situation is and let's see how we can create a package that will work best for you given your limited resources so it's really about thinking beyond the billable hour don't do billable hours at all we do and we break it down into stages or packages that the clients are able to manage according to their financial circumstances yeah and and like you said before I'm sure that's so relieving even just to the clients to know that you know they're not going to be turned away to this really hard moment in their life that they are going to be supported and you guys will try and find a way to help them I'm sure in itself is really really relieving to them yeah and I mean the first step is usually clients will um, you know check out our website and we've got a book a chat system where you know you just choose a time and you get to speak directly with one of our family law team any of our team members if they're looking for other areas of law but rather than you know just calling up the firm and speaking to the gatekeeper the receptionist and not being able to until you you know book in an official appointment they're able yeah. to do that and that is often such a um a gateway for clients to say okay well you've actually just told me that I don't need this but now I need this thank you so much now I know you know what my next step is having that 10 minute 15 minute chat opens so many doors and is such an easy way into to the legal realm for so many clients yeah, I'm sure. And I mean, I thought it was so interesting that you were talking about, you know, you guys don't track billables with your work. And I feel like that would definitely have an impact on the firm culture, probably in a very positive way. So I was going to use that to ask you about what the firm culture is like. Do you guys do casual Fridays, like hot desking? What's it like in the office? I'm sure you haven't been there for a while with COVID, but what's the firm culture like? And yeah, how does maybe billable hours kind of play into that? Our firm is really all focused on bringing the best out of our team and helping each lawyer to shine, both as lawyers and as people. So we do, pre-COVID, we would have weekly massages where we would have a masseuse that would come in on site. (laughs) That Um, is amazing. You know, just to relieve that stress. And yeah, um, we've got incense that we burn. We've just created a beautiful workspace that is conducive to stress-free legal practice. Every morning we would do a team huddle virtually, check in with everyone. What does your day look like? Who can help? What do you need? Who's at capacity? How can we support you? So really just monitoring everybody and keeping, making sure that nobody feels like they're on their own. Right, particularly yeah. the junior members, that they should always feel that they they are being supported. There's always somebody if they if they need a help, they can put their hand up and ask. We do lots of team building. We did a team building a two day workshop last week, which was just fantastic. We got yeah. to know each other in a much more <laughs> collegiate way and find uh, different things out about each other, which was really really cute. So yeah, just really making it a wholesome and holistic place for people that come in this is more than just a job we're a family um, and we're here to support each other so lovely place to work that's so lovely and I think it's this is probably another one of my favorite questions to ask because I've never seen someone talk about their firm and not smile Um, and I think that that is a great reflection 
of the work that you guys do and, and the environment that you've created for each other. Because, you know, there's only so much firm culture that can, fr- can come from top down, right? It's also about making sure that it's, you know, a little bit more horizontal in the sense that everyone is contributing to it and supporting each other. Uh, massages also, every like however often you do them, is super cool. I hope you guys get to do that once COVID becomes a little bit less of an issue. I also was going to say one thing that I noticed on your website and I thought was so, so fascinating was that I think for every referral you get from a past client, you invest $5, I think, is it Kiva to help other women build businesses and create better lives for their families, which is amazing. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that's really Laura's um, idea. And it is about being community-minded and invested and realising that as lawyers, we, you know, we have a responsibility to our community and to help out where we can. And so, yeah, that's just, I think, something that's been with the firm since its inception. But, uh, yeah, just the, the focus on being present in our community and giving back where we can is really foundational. Uh, a little bit of a different track now. What do you think has been your biggest learning curve? And that can be, you know, in your career or in your personal life. What's maybe your biggest learning curve to date? I think the biggest challenge was COVID. Mm. I think that really it just threw everything in terms of the way that we work, the way that we lawyer, the way that we communicate, the way we meet with clients throughout, you know, over 10 years of practicing law, that was the biggest change to how we had done things. And we really had to adapt quickly. Working from home with four kids beyond my office door, <laughs> was, um, it, it took it, it took it was very challenging. And being able to find space and time, both headspace and you know the, the time to pivot and really refocus was yeah. As I said, I don't think there's been a bigger challenge in my legal career. Gosh, I cannot even imagine because you would have had four kids to deal with homeschooling as well. That's that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> on on that topic, I mean, I think it would be a miss of us to not ask, how do you do it with four kids and working at a law firm and being a lawyer and doing all the amazing things that you do? Because I think, you know, do you have any advice for male and female law students that are kind of think, sitting there thinking, okay, well, if I commit myself to this career, I might not be able to have the family that I want or the size of family that I want, like, I'm not sure if other people really think about that. But if there are people out there thinking about it as law students, do you have any advice for them on how you make it all work? It's definitely become more flexible for working parents than what it was when I first started. So I think it's about choosing the right workplace that respects and values the role of parents in society and culture in general and provides Mm -hmm. those opportunities for you to take time off, to work from home, to have flexible working arrangements. Many of the firms are incorporating these types of practices now because they realise that what happens when you become a parent doesn't diminish yourself as a lawyer. It adds to your ability to engage with clients and to understand where people are coming from. And there's really a huge value that happens when you become a parent. And I think a lot of law firms are realising they don't want to lose their valuable lawyers. They need Mm -hmm. to find ways of making them feel valued and feel accepted and welcomed back into the firm after they have taken time out to have kids. So I think definitely, yeah, find the right employer and don't be afraid to ask for help. That's one of the big 
biggest learnings that I came across is that you can't do it all. You do need yeah. to reach out or put your hand up and whether it's family or whether it's friends or whether you have to pay someone, you know, to give you that support, definitely do that because otherwise it does become overwhelming. And let go of your preconceptions about what it's supposed to be. I think in the early days, I had this blissful notion of what children are supposed to do. And they <laughs> go to sleep at seven o'clock and wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and my life would be fine. That's not how it works. <laughs> my so I think having kind of a flexible approach and knowing that, yes, there will be difficult times and there will be late nights and you will wake up in the mornings where you need two or three coffees just to get your yeah. <laughs> And being okay with that, I think is, yeah, really important. Being able just to go with the flow sometimes and let go and say, I'm not in control and that's okay. And I think those are all lovely, I guess, lessons and advice, even if you don't choose to have children and have family in that way, like making sure that you pick a workplace that cares about you and the value that you bring in different aspects is really important. So I think that's a great message. One thing I wanted to ask you as well is something that I haven't really seen a lot of lawyers do, but I think I saw that you've done some research. You were a research fellow. Why did you choose to do that and that path as part of your career? That was a really um, exciting time. It was uh, last year, so just pre-COVID, I finished the fellowship. It was with the Centre for Legal and Innovation and it was a research fellowship. So I mm-hmm. was exploring how legal innovation and technology could be used to fill those gaps for people that weren't able to, you know, like we were talking about before, that aren't able to access legal services or pay yeah. for their legal services but still need supports. So I've always been interested in legal innovation and how we can do things differently. And I came across the, the Centre for Legal Innovation and got talking with the director, Terry Mottishead, who is just next level unbelievable. <laughs> and she said, what about a fellowship? What if you take this next step and and explore it further so it was a wonderful opportunity and I got to meet some fantastic people fascinating people along the way that are doing remarkable things in the legal innovation space in the pro bono space and access to justice space it was a, a really wonderful experience that's so fascinating it's one thing that I think about you know taking on that like more commercial practicing law path and you kind of forget about research. So it's cool to see that you integrated it into your practice as well. We're kind of wrapping up towards the pointy end of the episode, but we'd love to just get some more of your advice because it's been great so far. If you could do law school again, what's one thing that you would do differently that, you know, our audience can start doing now? I think there's a there's a lot that law schools could be doing differently in terms of preparing mm-hmm. law students to enter into a legal career. So, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, the structural changes anytime soon. What I would encourage law students to do is to spend time volunteering at a community legal service. They're always looking for volunteers. I've coordinated a family law program within a community legal service and every law student that's left the program has just expressed how meaningful it was for them. And I think the biggest thing that comes out of that are the soft skills that you aren't necessarily taught at university. The ability to listen to what a client is saying, particularly those vulnerable clients 
that may, you know, are coming from different social economic backgrounds to us that are experiencing disadvantage, being able to hear them and empathize with them are skills that just stand you in, in great stead for the rest of your legal journey. So that would be, yeah, top tip is that if you have an opportunity, whether it's uh, two weeks or it's a summer break, go to your local community legal service and spend a bit of time there. That's a lovely, lovely reminder, I think, just to get involved. There's only so much that law school can do and reading out of those textbooks can do. So I think that's a great bit of advice. I mean, you kind of spoke about it just then about the soft skills. But are there any other skills that you think are important for someone wanting to work in you know, the same practice area as you? I know things like being empathetic would be important, but are there any other things that you've kind of noticed throughout your career that are key to working in that area? I think effective time management is important regardless Mm. of what area of law you you are working in and being task focused, right? So setting out your tasks for the day and prioritizing those tasks. So if you know that you're fresh in the morning and, you know, for the first two hours you can really get through the difficult tasks and that email that's just been sitting there that you need need to respond to, but it's a challenging one or a call you have to make that's going to zap you of your energy. Don't leave it for, you know, your last thing in the day. Do it when you are focused and you've got that energy to put to it. And I think giving yourself you know, small rewards throughout the day can break things up and it can make the day more exciting, particularly if you've got a long, challenging day, back-to-back meetings and drafting documents. And if you just set yourself small rewards, like after this meeting, I'm going to have that amazing cup of tea with a little (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then after that, I'm going to go just, you know, read that article that I've been waiting to read for a long time. Yeah. Small rewards makes the day more meaningful. That's super important. I mean, I do it when I do my readings is every paragraph I read, I'm like, okay, you can have a, you can have a Skittle now and just <laughs> collectively eat all of these Skittles. And the more that I read, which is helpful for me, but I think that's great advice for studying, but also for practicing. <laughs> to kind of wrap up this whole episode, I know I've thrown so many questions at you, so thank you for handling them and responding to them in the the lovely and really insightful way that you have are there any questions that you know that we've missed that you think are really important to be spoken about if you have any that would be great otherwise just any final advice that you have for for students listening or even just lawyers that might be practicing already that are listening to well, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. It's been such a <laughs> love, love, love chatting with you. I think the only thing when I was thinking about this interview and mm-hmm. I was thinking about what I would say to myself if I yeah. was a law student or, you know, when I was a law student or a law grad, I think I would tell myself back then to have faith in yourself or in myself, to know that just because you might be fresh or you might be new to this field, you've got ideas as well and you know, mm-hmm. you've got new ways of doing things and seeing things. Go with that. Don't don't be yeah. don't be afraid because I think when I think of myself as a as a new lawyer, I question what was being done and the practices in the firm that I was working in and why things were being being done that way. But I didn't have the conviction to know that there was a better way. 
the questions I was asking were valid and were important. So if I could go back, I would say, give yourself a yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. That's so lovely. Thank you so much, Talia, for your time and your insights. Like you said, four kids, so I'm sure they're running around somewhere. So thank you for taking some time out of your day to speak to us. We are so, so appreciative and I'm so excited for everyone that's listening to this episode to learn all the lessons that I have already. So thank you. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having me. As always, a big thank you for listening in to this episode of Behind the Grand Podcast. We are always so excited to know that people are listening and supporting us to bring you season two. Make sure that you have subscribed to Behind the Grind wherever you listen to your podcast and are subscribed to our socials to keep up to date with all that we're doing. Links to our Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn can be found in your show notes. That's all from us. We'll see you in our next episode.